This podcast is brought to you by Doug Neal, the founder of Verbal to Visual, an online learning platform that will help you to develop your visual thinking skills. Please listen to podcast number 699, where Doug and Greg speak about the power of visual note-taking, also known as sketch noting. This visual technique will help you to take better notes at conferences and workshops, share your ideas more efficiently and effectively, and make meetings more engaging as you create a visual recording that can be shared with the entire team. We hope you enjoy podcast number 699 with Doug Neal. If you want to learn more about Verbal to Visual and to watch some of Doug's engaging videos, please visit www.verbaltovisual.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Boyson, a host of Inside Personal Growth. And Aaron, as I do every time I come on this show, and I think people might either be getting tired of what I say, but the point is I have to thank the thousands and thousands of listeners from around the world who continue to come back and listen to the words of wisdom from our authors. And from New York today, joining me is Aaron Stutland. And Aaron has a new Hay House book out called Mantras in Motion, Manifesting What You Want Through Mindful Movement. Uh, Good day to you, Aaron. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me today. Well, it's a pleasure having you on the show. And what I like to let my listeners know is really a tad bit about the people that we're actually speaking to and the books and the topics and so on. So if people want to go to Aaron Stutland, S-T-U-T-L-A-N-D.com, there you can learn more about Aaron. You can watch some videos she's got. You can learn more about this book that we're going to be talking about, all of her uh, endorsements and so on. But Aaron is a renowned mind, body, wellness, fitness expert. She is the host and lifestyle coach of Z Living Cable Series. Uh, nominated for a Real Screen Award alongside Oprah, Super Soul Sunday. The show recently completed its second season. She's built a multi-platform brand that reaches 70,000 people in 155 countries around the world. Erin uh, is the creator of several mind-body fitness programs, including her signature Shrink Session Workout and Soul Strolls, which has appeared on the Rachel Ray Show, People.com. Fox News, Glamour Magazine, and more. She's passionate about teaching how simple movement in your body can create dramatic movement in your life. And she lives in Brooklyn, New York with her husband, Lance, and her daughter, is it Caitlin? Quinn. Quinn. All right. Quinn. So great. And I am glad that you were able to do this and that Hay House was helped, helped to get this set up in the book. Again, for my listeners, uh, we will have all these links in the blog entry. Um, There are also some bonuses packages that um, she's got at her website um, that you're welcome to go. Um, We'll put some links to those as too, as well, Erin. So Erin, you were a dance student in college, and I'm sure that this had a tremendous influence on how you birthed your mantras in motion. So tell us a little bit about how you evolved to combine mantras with motion and why you thought it was so important. Yeah, it's well, you're absolutely right. It, it started in, in college, really. I had been dancing my whole life, but I studied dance in college. And um, my freshman year, I went through a really tough time where I 
fell into a, a pretty deep depression uh, mixed with anxiety when my mom was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. And I was really struggling to understand, you know, it was, it was really the first time in, in my life that I felt not myself. I was like, who is this person and why can't I get myself to feel better, think better, think better about myself, think better about the world. And I, I kind of got to that place where I was like, is this who I am now? Is this, kind, am I kind of like stuck in this kind of depressive state of thinking? And at the time I had come across this really wonderful book uh, by Og Mandino called The Greatest Salesman in the World. That was actually in my parents' basement. And in the book, he walks you through every week uh, these beautiful scrolls. And more or less, these scrolls are affirmations, positive statements that you're supposed to say three times a day. And I found this book and I was really intrigued by, well, you know, will this have an impact if I, if I say these mantras and start talking to myself in this positive way, you know, three times a day? And so one thing that I would do is I would read the scrolls in the morning. And for example, with a, one of the first, uh, you know, affirmations that you say is, I will greet this day with love in my heart. And I would take that thought and I would go to my ballet class in the morning and I would stand at the ballet bar doing my plies. You know, for anyone who's studied dance before, you know that you do the, you, you do the same thing every day. It's, it's very repetitive. You're building a sense of discipline and, and you, you make it new each time you do it. So, you know, doing plies is very easy. So I would stand at the bar, I would do my plies and in my mind, I would be thinking, I will greet this day with love in my heart. I will greet this day with love in my heart. So essentially what I was doing was taking this, intellectual idea of a positive thought and getting it into my body, putting it into motion so that it wasn't just a thought. You know, I think that's sort of where I see people struggle, especially today with so much information out there is, you know, we scroll through Instagram, we see a positive meme, we're like, oh yeah, that sounds really good. I'm going to, I'm going to take that one on. But our bodies don't necessarily compute you know, our bodies are telling a very different story. And so that's what mantras in motion really helps to do is help you take these beautiful concepts of love, connection, confidence, compassion, empowerment, and get them just out of intellectual understandings and into your body so that they become who you are. Well, that's a great explanation of it. And I think you edify, there's an author out there recently uh, talked with James Clear on Atomic Habits. And I think, you know, look, we can all say, people say, well, how long have you been doing this podcast show? And I say 14 years. And, mm -hmm. oh, you're an overnight success. Well, no, 14 years. And mm -hmm. little by little, these little habits that you actually have people change are really the things that create the successes in their life. And you talk about the mantras and motions you want people or you want to help people accomplish four key goals. Um, can you share with our listeners these goals and the effects that after they read your book and go, if they want to go through the course, go through your programs that will, you know, the effects they'll have on them and the practices that they'll go through. Cause I found the book fascinating with the diagrams and, and the way people can actually go through this. Cause I'm an avid, uh, I, I do yoga five times a week. I meditate. I'm, um, I'm part of uh, Paramahansa Yogananda's group. So I'm really interested in how you've taken this, um, to the next level, especially with the mantras. Yeah. So, so the, you know, what, what, what you can really expect to achieve from this book is first and foremost to begin to become more mindful and to begin to 
have the ability, increase your ability to stay in the moment. And the more that you're able to stay in the moment, as you know, from your own experience, that your greatest power is in the present moment. One of, one of my favorite quotes by Louise Hay is your power is in the present moment, which allows you, uh, the more in the moment you are, the less space you have for that negative thinking. Um, the other thing is that, you know, by using the mantras, the, the positive mantras will begin to take up all the space in your mind. So again, there's not a lot of room for negativity to exist. And the reason why we put the mantras in motion, again, what you can expect to achieve from the book is that every ounce of your energy in your body and your voice and, you know, every ounce of energy that you have will start moving you towards creating your very best life. And the idea is that you start to feel good, not just mentally, but physically, emotionally, and spiritually, you begin to really feel good. Now, the way that I broke the book down was, I feel like there are, you know, in my own life and my experience with all my clients that I've worked with, I feel like there's three, you know, components around creating a shift. And so each chapter has a journaling exercise because I think it's important to take sort of what you're learning, you know, that you're intellectualizing and start to get writing on it, start to kind of move a little bit deeper than the conscious thought and move a little bit more into your subconscious thought. So we pull that out through the writing, through the journaling. So there's a journaling exercise in every single chapter. There's also a meditation in each chapter because we want to begin to help you to tap into your heart, to your emotions, to your feelings by sitting quietly, whether it's through a visualization or just connecting to the breath. And then there's also in each chapter, as you mentioned, there is a movement and mantra practice. So we introduce a mantra in the chapter, and then towards the end of the chapter, you will start to put that mantra into motion. And, you know, it's interesting because in this day and age, obviously with video, there's, we have such an ability to kind of learn through video. We wanted to make it really simple to do. So we have videos that go along with the book as well. Um, but there's these really wonderful, simple to follow diagrams so that you can turn the page, stand up and just do it right there. And it really will only take you five minutes to create a dramatic shift. It's really well done. And I just want to compliment you on that. I, as somebody who does podcasts, I get books in here that I don't even ask for. And, you know, I, I look for how they're laid out. And for my mm -hmm. readers, I just want to compliment Aaron and the Hay House team on really laying out a book very well, including all the questions you ask, the prompting questions, and the opportunity for journaling. Now, I, I'm curious. Um, I've been around this game for a long time. And I Go back to an interview that I did with George Leonard, who's now deceased. He was the author of a book called Mastery. Um, George was also the founder of Esalon with Michael mm -hmm. Murphy. And he was also the one who developed ITP, Integrative Transformative Practice. And it was a combination of Aikido, yoga, and meditation. I'm not certain if you're aware of this practice, but did you happen to get any of your inspiration from some of these ancient spiritual wisdom practices that have been going on for a long time or from the ITP practice? Not from the ITP practice in particular. You know, I have studied movement of all kinds since I was mm -hmm. young, as I mentioned, being a dancer. So, you know, my background um, really comes from obviously years and years of studying ballet, which is also somewhat of an ancient practice um, and combining yoga um, and so really my background is coming uh, really more at it from, from a dancer and from understanding and helping people. You know, one thing that was really transformative for me is when I was in college, I was asked to teach a, a dance class to non-majors. So these were people who had no dance experience at all. And I, 
I started the class and I thought, oh, I'm going to teach them all this really great technique and they're going to learn how to become dancers. And once the class started, I was like, oh, no, 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 no. These people, you know, they don't have maybe a ton of coordination and they really aren't there to learn to become a dancer. They just wanted to do a fun class. And so what was really transformative for me was I I, I kind of threw out the technique a little bit, taught it, made it very basic. And what my goal became uh, was to teach them how to find the joy of movement and to move across the space to the rhythm, to music, to like, how can they feel more freedom in their bodies? And I think that was a really defining moment for me in terms of what I went, have gone on to teach, you know, at the core of what I want people to get from my work and from the book and from all my programs is the joy of movement because we were all born to move that's what we were born to do and we've gotten now you know in society so caught up with this you know with exercise and fitness and six-pack abs and that it has to be a certain way that we almost don't even want to move anymore and we're afraid of doing it wrong and we're afraid of not doing it perfectly and we think that we have to move in order to burn calories from the night before and it's really time to shift that and come back to this place of just simple joy of movement. Because the more that we enjoy it, the more we we'll want to do it, the more energy we're creating, and the more in the moment we're able to be. Well, I, I'm really happy that you're actually working with your uh, clients and the people that come to you about just this whole element of being so self-conscious about you know the way they look. It's really more about the way we feel and the freedom and I love that about dance and yoga and so on, right? It's like a yoga instructor is going to tell you, go to where your body allows you to go. It's not like, well, we're going to push you to that, but have fun doing it and stay in the moment. Okay. In your chapter on unearthing your desires, you state that knowing your core values helps to separate the wheat from the chaff. Um, why is having core values so important to your practice and can you speak about this particular journaling exercise? Yeah, this is another real big turning point in my life in my early 20s. You know, after I graduated college and I was making my way into the world as, a, as an artist, as a dancer, I was acting as well. And, you know, it's very easy to get caught up in this, these goals that we think we should have, you know, especially again, not in this day and age with Instagram and social media and, um, you know, we get into a lot of comparing. So we think we should have these goals or I should want this amount of money or I should want this kind of relationship or I should want this kind of job. And it's really easy to kind of get away from yourself. And what I found was really pivotal for me was getting in touch with what my core values are. And that once we get in touch with our core values, who we really are, what's really important to us, our goals can begin to flow out of that. And you would begin to see that, oh, that goal that I thought I wanted is actually not in alignment with my core values. So let me give you an example um, that I talked about in the book. You know, one of my core values that I identified, and it's not necessarily a traditional one or a traditional word to use for a core value, but to no surprise here, one of my core values was dancing. I sort of call, I called it dancing. And what I meant by that was that I want, it was so important for me to feel a sense of ease in my body, to feel a sense of rhythm and movement in my body on a day-to-day -day basis. I needed to be comfortable in my body. So, so when I started to really identify this core value, it meant 
you know, oh, I, I can't, and this might sound really minor, but it was actually really major for me. Like, I can't wear uncomfortable clothes. I cannot be in a job that I have to wear like a button down shirt. That it, it will make me miserable because I know it sounds silly, but because like I need to be comfortable in my body. I need to be moving in a way that feels good. I need to be in comfortable shoes. I need to be like feeling open and relaxed. And as strange as that sound, it really helped me identify, especially in my early 20s as an artist, like what kind of jobs I was willing to take. Because as an artist, you're kind of piecemealing your life together. And I was like, I'm not going to work as a temp in an office job. That just won't work for me. And so that's what I invite the reader to really do is to identify what your core values are. What is important to you? How do you want to feel? So that then from there, we can really develop what your goals are. Well, and for creatives like yourself, and you know, everybody's creative. And everybody listening today, I hope you're hearing what Erin is saying, because you know, her defining her core value is not wearing confining clothes. That's a good example. The reality is we have to give ourselves that opportunity. Give yourself the permission. And you have a chapter on allow and accept what is. Now, I know this is one of toward the last chapters of the book. You speak about inspired action coming out of the core of who we are. Obviously, those core values. Can you address this and how to reinforce what you're referring to as inspired action. Yeah, inspired action is really about tuning in to what's important. I think, again, a lot of the times we'll, we'll come up with our goal, we know what we want, and then we make a list of actions. And they're oftentimes mixed with things that we're excited about, mixed with things that we feel like we should do or things that kind of are coming from the ego, the things that we think, well, if I do this, I'll get this thing, if I can tick this off my box. And inspired action is really, when it's really this action that kind of these ideas that kind of rise up from within you that says, wow, I wanna do that, that would be really exciting. Now, it doesn't mean it's not gonna be scary and it doesn't mean it's not gonna be hard, but something about it feels right. It's the action that just feels like you have to take. And again, really important to recognize, it doesn't mean it won't be scary. Sometimes our best inspired actions also bring a lot of fear because they're the thing that's gonna move us out of our comfort zone and create a lot of change in our life. But inspired action really rises up from within. And when you're and how do you know you're taking inspired action? You feel like you're in a state of flow. You feel like maybe, you know, time doesn't even exist. You feel like there's an internal yes to saying like, this is the action I wanna take to move me towards my goal. And I think it's really important to take some time to get in tune with those inspired actions and be willing to let go of the actions that are really more along the lines of should. That's great advice for the listeners. And I think I need to explain to them when you pick this book up and you go through the chapters, what you're going to see is these mantras and pictures, and I should say drawings. And you have many mantras throughout the book combined with the pictures and drawings of poses that you're asking people to practice. And as you said, now they can watch some videos with this too. Can you discuss a few of the mantras in combination with the movement and what you're attempting to ground within side of the souls of the individuals that are in this practice? Yeah. Well, there's, you know, there's, there's 10 chapters. We have, we have actually nine different mantras and, you know, one of the, one of the mantras that I love is I release my doubt. It's all working out. Support is all around. I am breaking new ground. So I'll just repeat that. I release my doubt. It's all working out. Support is all around. I am breaking new ground. 
And this is the mantra that's in, I have a chapter around support and gathering your support system. And it's actually one of my, it is one of my favorite chapters because when we think about gathering our support system, we often think about, okay, who are the people that we need, you know, to help us, which that is part of the chapter. But the part of the chapter that I really love that I think is so valuable is we often forget how to turn to ourselves for, to be our own support system. And I share some stories in there of how, how we can really do that. But we wanna to start to look around us for the ways in which life is sort of naturally and organically supporting us, you know, that we don't always necessarily look around and see. So how is, you know, even in this moment, I'm standing here and, you know, I'm standing, I'm in Brooklyn, I'm standing in my apartment and, you know, the ground beneath me is supporting me and the structures of the building are supporting me. And how can we begin to look for an everyday that support is all around? And one of the ways I, I, one of the exercises I give people in this particular chapter is called the evidence journal. And in that journaling exercise, what you're meant to do is every day, you know, at the end of the day, you can do it in your note section of your iPhone or your mobile device. You, you just reflect on the day and you say, how did life support me today and support my dreams and my desires? And what ways was I supported? You know, it could be that, oh, you know, I got a free coffee when I walked into the coffee shop, or I got a text message from a friend I haven't heard from in a long time. So these small little ways, you want to begin to look for these small little ways in which life kind of gives you what I like to call like a little alley-oop that says, all right, I'm going to help you out. And so that's what one of the, the mantras um, and chapters that I really love. Again, I release my doubts. It's all working out. Support is all around. And I am breaking new ground. And there couldn't be a better mantra uh, for myself and every listener out there to hear today um, because we frequently go to self-doubt. Um, it was interesting. I just picked up a Good Earth tea bag. I'll make a cup of tea. And it says, stop mm -hmm. hating yourself for what you aren't. Start loving yourself for everything you are. And, mm -hmm. and I think that people have that issue. And this comes about changing your core beliefs. And you tell a very good story about talking about your course online and how it took so long for you to get convinced. And your belief was you're going to be missing being right in front of people, your students, and seeing their reactions. How did you set about changing the belief that you had about the internet and the course and what would you recommend to our listeners about changing some of those beliefs that are limiting and holding them back yeah so when i started my business i was teaching these live classes and i was building this wonderful live community and my goal my desire that i had unearthed was that i wanted to expand and reach more people than just sort of the new york uh the new york wellness community and this was in like 2010, 2011. So it was before, you know, online courses were very, you know, of the moment. It was, they were just kind of getting started. And what I realized, I kept kind of, I said, oh, I want to do this. I want to do this. But I was like procrastinating and I wasn't taking action on actually building anything online. And what I began to realize is that even though I had this goal to reach more people, this desire to reach more goal, to reach more people, I had a belief in place that was not in alignment with that desire. And that's why I have a whole chapter in the book on beliefs, because I think a lot of times we have this desire that we want and we try to move towards it, but we end up sort of being like Sisyphus pushing a rock, a boulder up a hill, and then it falls down again because our beliefs are not in concert with uh, what it is that we really want. 
And we have, it's our job, and I'll talk a little bit about what my belief was in a moment, but it's our job to constantly be upgrading and debugging our belief system so that it is an optimized operating system, the same way you would, you know, update your operating system on your computer or your telephone. It's our job to constantly doing that with our beliefs, our subconscious beliefs, our conscious beliefs, so that we are not like Sisyphus pushing a boulder up a hill and that we're actually moving towards our goal with ease. So for me, the belief that I had was, at first I thought my, the belief was, oh, I can only have an impact on people if I'm right in front of them in the room because I had this wonderful community of people and I would share an idea and I would see their heads nodding and like everyone agreed. And I thought, and I, I felt very sort of, you know, I guess you could say kind of in control of the situation that I knew how people were responding and feeling. But the more that I sort of looked at it, the more, the deeper level belief was that I, I felt Oh, 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 wait a second. If I put myself out there online and I can't see the people who I'm touching and reaching, what if they actually don't like me? What if they don't like what I have to say? What if they think I'm weird? What if they think I'm stupid? What if they think it's, this is a waste of time? And what I really discovered was this deep sense of feeling so vulnerable and putting myself out there, which is quite a common belief uh, for many of us. Uh, but it was so important for me to begin to to recognize what that belief was and then to begin to create some mantras that would support and help me to create a new a new belief. So, you know, one of the things I like to say is I let go of the old. I'm creating something new. What I used to think was hard is now easy to do. So I'll say it again. I let go of the old. I'm creating something new. What I used to think was hard is now easy to do. Um, you can also say, I let go of the old, I'm creating something new, I choose my beliefs, it's easy to do. And the reason why we, we use this mantra in regards to beliefs is because we have to begin to recognize what our beliefs are that are holding us back, be willing to let them go, and recognize that we have the power to create a new belief, like I said, to upgrade our operating system. So you probably have done a little bit of study on this, but what if you were to say, and there's going to be some people out there that would look at the science of this, what neurologically is actually happening as we're repeating this mantra? I know many people repeat mantras during meditation or before meditation mm-hmm. to get into an altered state of consciousness. Are, mm-hmm. Is this uh, process, as you know it, to do these mantras in conjunction with the yoga a way to alter the wiring that's going on inside the brain because you speak about the subconscious mind and I'm saying we want to get out of these patterns that we're stuck in. So how do we break out of the programming of the subconscious mind? Is this one of those techniques? Absolutely. I mean, you know, what we know from research and from science is that there's neuroplasticity in the brain. So we know that the brain can change all, all throughout your entire life. So that's really good news. You know, you're not, you get to 50 and then you're just stuck there. Um, you, we have the ability to continually change our brain and the way our brains think and are formed and the neural connections in the brain. And there's so many different ways we can do that. So there's not just one way we could do that. You know, one of the ways you can do that is by, uh, you know, constantly taking a new path home and trying in, in trying a new activity and learning new things. That's one way you can change the brain. One of them is through the repetition of mantras. What I have found um, for many people, when it comes to mantras, um, what can happen with just the repetition of a mantra when you're just sitting is that the, unless you're doing really profound um, mindfulness and awareness work, 
um, most people who sit down and repeat a mantra to themselves get frustrated because in 30 seconds, they're like thinking what's for dinner, you know? And so you almost need to really have this regular awareness practice, which not everyone is willing to take the time to do. So what's really powerful about the putting the mantras into motion is that it also will do the work on the subconscious. But what's really neat about it is sort of like, um, you know how if you are standing in the shower and you get some of your best ideas because you're in that repetitive motion of the shower, the shower is running, or when you're driving, you're in that sort of repetitive motion. It, this is the same thing. You're in a repetitive motion with movement, which allows some sort of subconscious stuff to come up and get clear, and you're replacing it right away with this powerful mantra. Yeah, I think it's it's true. Whether you're exercising or running or you're in the shower or, or whatever it is that you're doing, you're finding many of your aha moments or breakthroughs or your intuition is heightened. Um, and it is a result of the chemicals being released in the body as well. And we understand that just from neuroscience. I think uh, from all my listeners, go back and listen to the many, many ever interviews I did with Stephen Kotler um, on Bold and Abundance and all the books that he's written. And you will see that that is the connection. So I want to kind of wrap up our interview, Aaron, with this question about cultivating courage. Um, you have a great chapter on that. And you have these uh, sentences to be completed um, around fear. Can you tell the listeners the power of courage statement that you have or slash mantra and how this could help them overcome some of, again, I'm going to say irrational beliefs because many of the fears that people are carrying around are beliefs about something that something's going to happen. And we know by the data that 99% of those negative thoughts that you think about every day never manifest, yet we right. still think them. So uh, how does your little fill-in-the-blank statement work, and what kind of results are you seeing with some of your own um, clients? Well, one of the things, you know, I think about, people think that, oh, you know, they, they will create what they want in their lives, and they're, they're no longer afraid. And I sort of think the opposite is true. I think you have to, you know, take action to cultivate courage. And the more actions you take when you're afraid, the more courage you gain. So it's really not about, you know, eliminating fear from your life, because I think as long as we're alive and we're moving towards change and stepping out of our comfort zone, we're always going to feel fear of some kind. So it's really about recognizing the courage that you already have and then cultivating more of it. And so I think it's really important. I think sometimes, you know, people say, but I'm not courageous. I'm, I'm scared all the time. But I think there are small ways in which we actually exemplify courage in our day-to-day -day lives that we don't really give ourselves credit for and recognize. And the more we can recognize what we do have, sort of like what your tea bag talked about, which was, you know, focusing on what you do have and what you do love about yourself, focusing on the ways in which you are courageous really helps propel you forward. And so the statement that I encourage people to fill in the blank on is this idea where we say, every day I'm afraid of blank and every day I show courage by blank. So it could be, you know, every day and they could be really small, you know, like, every, you know, today I was afraid to call the doctor and make a doctor's appointment. And I show courage by actually making the appointment. 
every, you know, some people getting out of bed can be a real challenge. And just by getting up and facing the day, maybe you have a big work day ahead or you're in a challenging project, just by getting up and facing the day, that is an act of courage. And so I really encourage people to begin to see very small, tiny acts of courage in their life on a day-to-day basis. And it goes back to those atomic habits, those little bitty things, the little steps that add up that make big differences. And I think that's the same thing about the mantras. You know, you may not initially see it. It's like somebody asked me about intuition. I wrote a book called Hacking the Gap, A Journey from Intuition to Innovation and Beyond. And, you know, intuition comes in pieces. You know, I think people expect, oh, there's going to be a huge download. And I think what Aaron is teaching you here is so powerful uh, through the steps in the book, through the motion in the yoga, through the mantras that you're doing and the affirmations you're creating, through the journaling as a combination with that. It's all reinforcing uh, very small steps that will change you into somebody who actually is somebody that you like again, love again, uh, and want to be with. And I encourage you to go to her website. Um, the website again is Aaron Stutland, S-T-U-T-L-A-N-D.com. We'll have a link to that. We'll have a link to Amazon for the book itself, which this is a great Hay House book, um, at her website as well. Um, you have some bonuses and things. Do you want to tell the listeners about that a bit? Order the book and, and get a complete kind of bonus package? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So some of the great things we have when you go to erinstutland.com forward slash book is there, once you order the book, you'll come back to that page. We've got an amazing um, hour long magical manifestors workshop, which is basically like having me as your personal coach to help you really create and identify and get clarity on some of the things you want. Because I find that's actually one of our biggest challenges is when I talk to people, they're like, well, I don't really know exactly what I want. This is going to help you get that clarity and also help you dispel some of the beliefs that you might have that are going to hold you back from getting that. So we've got the Magical Manifestors Workshop. And then also um, there is uh, an amazing meditation in there. Um, and we've got some wonderful videos, like I said, to go along with the book so that, you know, when you get to a certain chapter, you can type in the URL and you can do the video, the workout with me, which, will, um, which I think you'll really love. Well, it's a great bonus and the book is very reasonably priced. So click on, uh, go to the website because we'll have a link to the website and then instead of directly to Amazon, because then you'll get the Amazon link and then she will send you back after you register um, all of these bonuses that she's got associated with this. Erin, it's been a pleasure having you on Insight Personal Growth and speaking about your book, Mantras in Motion, Manifesting What You Want Through Mindful Moment or mindful movements, not in that too, mindful moments and movements. Um, So thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. This podcast is brought to you by Charles Morgan, CEO of First Orion Corporation and author of a new book entitled, Now What?, the biography of a finally successful startup, published by Entrepreneur Publishing. Please listen to podcast number 700 for the full interview with author Charles Morgan. In Greg's interview with Morgan, they discuss his bumpy journey from the initial investment in his small startup to having to rescue the organization from near certain financial collapse, to taking over as a leader and spending nine years guiding the company to success in First Orion's mission of providing scam and spam protection to major telecoms. 
The real-life lessons that serial entrepreneur Morgan shares in his book and podcasts are sure to benefit entrepreneurs at all experience levels. Please listen to podcast number 700 with author Charles Morgan. And if you want to learn more about Charles's book, please visit www.thecharlesmorgan.com. Thanks for listening to this wonderful podcast with author and entrepreneur Charles Morgan about his new book, Now What? The Biography of a Finally Successful Startup.